is. We're going to talk about God. And when you understand who God is, then it changes. I was going to say it's going to change who we is. But then I thought that's not good grammar. So, but at least it'd be memorable. Uh, it changes who we are. It changes how we think. It changes how we live. And oftentimes, our fundamental problem is we don't lock in to who God really is. And as we begin, I wanted to start, oops, there we go, in Genesis chapter 1. And in all God's creation, we get to verse 26, and he says, Let us make man in our image. In our likeness. And we are unique among God's creation. Everything He made was good. But when it came to humans, that was very good. And we were the only thing made in the image of God. Male and female, He created them. We are created to be image bearers of God Almighty. You say, what's it mean to be an image bearer? Well, it was amazing. I think it was on Thursday. They had Foothill League finals. And they had finals in swimming. They had finals in track and field. So Cheryl and I, we divided and conquered. She went uh, to the swimming and she cheered on our sister Nicole. And I went to track and field. And, you know, I got to see Cayman jump from afar. And then Sierra was running. And Jimmy was running hurdles. And even found out we had a sister in Turning Point named London, and she was running, so I was yelling for her. But you see, when you're an image bearer, you, you know, like you're in the stands, and you see your own people out there, and you know what you do? You just start yelling for them. Like, you know, early on, Sierra, she's just walking across the field in the middle of the track, and it's quiet because nothing started. And I just yell, Go, Sierra! And she's with her friends, and she kind of turns and looks. And I'm waving. I don't care if I embarrass her. I'm like, Sierra, we're here. I'm with you. Yes, it's going to be awesome. You know, Jimmy gets to the 300 hurdles, and I'm trying to yell because I want him to hear me on the other side of the track. Why? Because he's one of ours. Got to see Cayman jump from afar, and then I went over there because I was hoping he had more jumps, and then, unfortunately, that was his last one because the jumpers were jumping before the rest of the meet started. But I went over there. I was so fired up to see Cayman. I'm like, yes! You know, probably his friends are like, who's that guy? <laughs> oh, he's the minister at my church. Okay, that's fine. But you don't really care what anyone else thinks. All you think of is, yeah! We're together, right? You see, when you're an image bearer, you're connected in that way. And so we live life, and God's up there in heaven, just like He's at Foothill League Finals. And it doesn't matter if we get third, it doesn't matter if we get first. God's up there like, yeah! Because He created us in. His image. We're His. Not what high school 
Although I, I didn't want to highlight, Madison actually graduated from Hart High School. Just thought that was an important note for the, the church to understand. So that was great. Uh, but God doesn't really care about anything but you. Because you're made, He made you in His image. And you just got to start there because some days, you know, you wake up and you just don't feel like today's going to be a victorious day. I don't know if I've got the power, the faith to accomplish all that the day may have in store. I'm going through challenges. Maybe I'm in the hospital for 13 days. You got to hear the voice of God. He's like, yeah! Because you're made in the image of God. And if you can lock into that, if you got nothing else from the sermon, but you could just imagine hearing that voice from heaven cheering you on every single hour of every single day, it would change who you are forever. If that's all you got, if you stopped paying attention from this point forward, you'd get your money's worth. Because God wants you to know you're made in his image. You say, so what, is it, what does that mean? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? But I remember one of the first times I, I went to Halifax where Michael went to school for a year. It's in Canada. And I remember uh, speaking to the church there. And I had multiple people come up to me and go, wow, you sound just like your son. I go, well, that's an interesting way to phrase it. You know, when you're an image bearer, your life should reflect the image that you bear. You should live in the same way. You should sound the same way. You should represent that image in the society that we live and so what is it about God that needs to change who we are? Well, let's start let's start here. All right, God up, oh, there we go. God is greater. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Bible makes it clear that God is greater. He says his thoughts are greater. His words are greater. His ways are greater. And then he goes on to say, my word, which goes out from me, will not return void. What's the point of that? That we connect with the greatness of God... 
when we are word people. When we know the word of God. When we meditate on the word of God, when we put the word of God into practice in our life, when we let the word of God trump our feelings and emotions, then we connect with the greatness of God. We become the image bearer. Okay? We don't do a good job being image bearers when we just let emotions run our life. I don't know about you, but if you could think of your top ten worst moments of life, I'll bet almost all ten of them are emotionally laden moments in your life where you just kind of freaked out. I doubt any of the ten of your, you know, hall of shame moments are moments where you thought, I'm going to do a Bible study and see what the Word of God says to do. I'm going to implement those verses right now. And then it ended up in one of your top ten worst lists. Now, you know, we're kind of all the same, aren't we? When we function as we're designed, when we are the image bearers that God created us to be, we do pretty well. But when we short-circuit the process, how do we do that? By not knowing the Word of God. By not implementing the Word of God. Or seeing what it says and going, yeah, but I feel. And trumping the word of God with an emotion. We lose sight of whose we are. God is greater. Now that ought to bring us comfort, right? And you've already seen the graphic. I don't know if the clicker's messed up, but Michael, if you can just go to the next slide. So here's the question. Which arm is yours? Okay, now, you only have two choices, and one of them is God's. Now, before you answer, I got another question. Whose arm does your daily life reflect that you think Yours is. Because, you know, we're, we're professionals, right? We give the right answer. We know. Yes, God's, God's the big arm, right? But that wasn't the second question. The second question was, what does your lifestyle say you really believe? See, there's the theory of Christianity, and then there's actually how we live. You know what happens a lot of times when we run into challenges? We actually believe we're the big arm. And we're mad, and we're frustrated, and we're trying to figure it out, and we stay up late, and we worry, and we're just full of anxiety. Like, what message are we sending? We're like, God, you got such a puny arm, i got to take matters into my hands... Because you're a little weak pipsqueak, and it's the only chance I have to overcome. Now, there's not one of us that would ever say that to God. But we live like it. We live like it when we don't walk with Him every day, and we look at walking with Him as a chore. Why would we ever view it as a chore if that's the real power? 
You know, when 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 walking with God is a chore, all it all it says is you actually think your arms bigger than God's. I can live by myself. Thank you. I don't need this extra burden of prayer and Bible study. I'll be fine without it. What's your go to when you're worried or upset? Is it your way, your feelings? Or is it the word of God? Because sometimes we're studying the Bible and, and we want to live the Christian life, but we get in this roadblock because we think, I am so busy. How can I possibly add all of this on top? But that way of thinking just reveals whose arm we think is better, stronger. We don't really believe God's is. So we short-circuit the process and we go, well, it's, it's my way, it's my talent, it's my hard work. That's amazing. Sometimes we actually think that we are where we are because of our hard work. And certainly hard work helps. But do you realize more than 90% of our world lives in impoverished conditions? Do you want to be the one to go tell them that the reason you have life good is because you worked hard and they didn't? Really? No. We know that's not true, right? But sometimes we can think that when we lose sight of God. Say, our God is greater. You know, when, when... those athletes walk out there on the track and they just have that confidence and they got their uniform on representing their high school. They, they function differently. My, Mike and I were sitting next to each other and Nate was there and Adam and, and Mike said, watch them. They all have their individual warm-up routines. You know, and they're hopping like frogs and they've got these different stretches and different, you know, kind of things. And like if they're hurdlers, they do this kind of funny looking dance thing over the hurdles. I don't know. But they're just warming up. But they got the routine. And see, for us, we got to have our routine where God is greater. Because you're not going to have your routine where you think you're greater And then just go, oh, but when I get in a tough situation or when the gun goes off in the meat, then I'm going to flick a switch and I will implement God being greater at that moment in time. Not going to happen. It's either a regular routine that's ingrained in your lifestyle or it's not. God is greater. Let's go on to the next slide. What else do we need to know about our God? The one whose image we bear. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's the second thing. God is able. God is able. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the context of this is they're taking up an offering for the church in Jerusalem because there's a famine. And so people are starving. And so the Corinthian church has taken up a, a financial contribution to be able to supply food uh, to the church uh, in need in Jerusalem. So we pick it up in verse 6, and Paul says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly, and ever sows generously, will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So there's this principle in play that if you, if you uh, sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you give generously, you're going to reap generously. Okay? So there's this spiritual principle here. And in context, it's this gift uh, to the church in Jerusalem for the poor. And certainly, financial giving absolutely is an issue of generosity. You know, earlier this year, we had a vision night and we talked about the future of Santa Clarita and what's the next ministry you want to focus on. And we talked about our married ministry being that and we want to really go after things. And so proud is the church responded and made the decision to hire Nathan and Ashley full-time uh, June 1st. You know, that's, that's a growing church. It's a ministry that's not trying to stay the same, but there was there was sacrifice needed and and continue to be needed to grow the church. We're not trying to maintain anything. We really want to get the gospel preached to all of Santa Clarita and beyond. And I'm proud of the church. You know, in about two weeks, we're going to take up our special missions contribution for the disciples over in Russia and Eurasia, but then also for our ministry up in. At the 101 Christian Church up in San Luis Obispo, where our brother and sister Larry and Deborah Anderson now reside. They made the decision to move and be a part of the mission team. Now, that's two weeks from now. And the principle, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. You say, there's something that happens with God... When he looks at the issue of generosity in your heart. But I actually want to expand this concept more than just money. And talk about what you give of your time. Of your energy. Of your leadership. Of your faith. Of your comfort. And let's just make it all sacrifice for God. Because the principle holds true. And you know what happens when life gets busy? We start becoming calculated. And see, that, that's, it's actually one of the reasons why I believe it can be so challenging when you start talking about money. Because, you know, there, you have your, your budget, and so the dollars are just kind of right there. And so you can actually live life in a way where you don't factor God into the equation. And that's why Paul reminds the church in Corinth and reminds us that God is able but we actually do the same thing in our schedule. There's a lot of talk about, you know, I, I want to be able to live a comfortable life. I want to live a balanced life. I want to have healthy boundaries. Like, do you ever wonder why none of that talk exists in the first century? Like, does the sacrificial lifestyle really go there? 
Now, we need to have the right set of priorities. On the other hand, you know where I think a lot of that thinking can come? Is that we don't really believe God is able, and so we're in a very calculated way trying to manage all the mechanics of life because we don't really see how God can solve our problem if we sacrifice our time, our energy, our schedule, or our money in a certain way. God is able. What's he able to do? Now, sometimes we misread this or we we misapply it. And we think, God is able to give me everything I want. And so what we think is that if I, you know, if I seek God and I sacrifice, then I'm going to get everything I want. But that's not what the passage says. It does not say having all that you want. It says having all that you need. Those are two completely different subjects. And we get messed up on the inside when we confuse the two. God, I wanted this. And I did this for you. And you didn't give this to me. And God's like, I'm not in the business of giving you everything you want. I love you too much to do that. I just want to give you everything that you need. So what do you think about God being able? Don't you love these words? He is able to make. He says, all things at all times. Let that one sink in. All things at all times. Having all that you need. Not most, not half. God does not have budget crisis. He does not sit up there and go, Oh, really want to supply all that you need, but I'm, I'm out. You're going to have to wait till the next fiscal year before I can supply all that you need. No. All things, at all times, having all that you need. And then listen to this promise. You will abound in every good work. That's a promise. Isn't that awesome? See, God is able. Now, we know the theory. The question is, what does your lifestyle say about what you believe with God's ability? You see, we're image bearers. Does our image bearing reflect that we believe this? It should. God is able. Finally, let's go to the next slide. Third thing I want us to lock in on, God is faithful. In a passage in the Bible that you should know, and it ought to be one of your favorites, because without this, we're in big trouble. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out 
so that you can endure it. Isn't that amazing? It says, God is faithful. He will never let you down. He will never be too tired. He will never be disinterested. He will never be unaware. You'll never tell him something about your life. And he goes, didn't realize that. He is always 100% knowledgeable of every detail, of every emotion, of every situation, of every hardship, of every victory, of every sorrow, of every joy going on in your life. And the Bible says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, we need to be afraid for a moment. Say, why do we need to be afraid? We need to be afraid because we need to understand that the Scriptures say that it is possible to be tempted beyond what we could bear. And the only reason it doesn't happen in our life is because God says no to Satan and his angels. God puts limits on what they can do. All day, every day. That's something to think about, isn't it? That Satan has power to destroy each one of us, but God won't let him. He knows when we're weak. He knows when we're strong. The limits of what we can handle change. You know, sometimes it's actually counterintuitive what we think. We go, man, I'm going through so much right now. I'm just weak spiritually. Oh, maybe the actually, uh, maybe the opposite is what's true. No, because you're doing well spiritually, you can handle more temptation. And that when you're not being tempted, it's because you're so weak, it wouldn't take much to be more than you can handle. Now see, God knows the truth about what we can handle. Sometimes, don't we wish we had the button? Can't handle this, God! Escape pod, eject, eject, eject. But see, God's like, nah, you can like, but it doesn't feel that way. And God's like, yeah, I know. Hang in there. I don't want to hang in there. Hang in there. It says he will not let. And then the flip side of that. He will provide. He's got a plan. He's got a path. Now, he won't make you take it, but he will provide. The option, the open door, the righteous way will be there. It's a promise. It says he will provide. You know, don't you love it when you're watching an action movie and then they get like stuck And then all of a sudden they figure it out and there's the escape plan. You're like, yes. That happens every hour of every day in our life. God's just constantly going, escape plan, escape plan. 
Here you go. Here's the way out. It's right there. I got it. He will provide. Next slide. It's President Obama. You know, when, when, the, when the president flies in a helicopter, it's called Marine One because this is a Marine unit. You know, if they fly in, in the big jet, that's Air Force One. And so this is, this is Marine One. And so the Marines, they handle the security and the transportation of the president. And I love this picture. Here's President Obama. He's getting off the helicopter. And he's saluting the Marines. And you're like, man, those guys are studs. They protect the president. They make sure he gets to where he needs to go. Next slide. You know, this is a picture of our brother and sister and kids that just moved here from Virginia. Ian and Jamie Huffman. And Ian, Ian, that was his unit on Marine One. He was stationed at the White House. And so, you know, we have a, we have a really awesome, safe fellowship in Santa Clarita. It's now even more safe. And, you know, I feel very secure and safe in the Santa Clarita ministry. I feel protected. And I think, you know, I was asking Ian, I go, oh, man, that's that's so cool. I go, so what's it like? And he goes, we have our own medic. We have our own mechanic. It's like this self-contained operation. You know why? Because they're protecting the president. You go, that much energy and effort and money and manpower goes into protecting and transporting the president. You know what God wants you to know? Hey, Marine One's awesome. But God's like, I got you in Jesus One. Oh, yeah. He's like, Jesus, like, I don't use a helicopter. That's like outdated technology. Jesus, like, I will get you there. You say Marines? They're awesome. Jesus, like, I've chosen the Holy Spirit. I've got some angels. You say, how many angels? You know, you don't need that many. In the Old Testament, one angel wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. Just one angel. You see, God says, no, you matter that much. That I'm dealing with the transport. I'm dealing with the protection. I got the medic covered. Jesus is like, my stuff doesn't break down, so we don't need mechanics. But God is faithful. Can you imagine what it'd be like to ride on Marine One? Wouldn't that be cool? Or Air Force One? That, that would just be so amazing. Wouldn't you feel important? Wouldn't you feel safe and secure? 
God says, you ought to feel that every day. You know why? Because I am faithful. That's the message he says. So you're the image bearer. Say, how do you live? Last slide. You say, what's this all mean for each one of us? What do you do with this? Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Say, what's the practical? Be still and know that I am God. We live in a rat race. We got all kinds of devices and things that are, are, are going off and buzzers and reminders and calls and alarms. Sometimes the thing we do the least is be still. But with the purpose in mind, be still and know that I am God. The next time you start feeling worked up, you start feeling angry, you start feeling depressed, you start feeling worried, be still and know that I am God. The schedule's getting hectic. You've got all these big plans. You're not sure what's going to happen. Be still and know that I am God. You're wondering, how does God want to use you in your neighborhood and in your work and in your class to impact hearts around you? Be still and know that I am God. If there's a part of your character, if there's sins that you want to repent of, if your marriage is in a rough place or there's challenges going on with kids or with parents, be still and know that I am God. You are an image bearer of God Almighty. God is greater. You've got to get His Word in you. You've got to know it. Let's stop living like we're the ones with the strong arm. No. Let's let God do the work for us. We've got to connect into His Word. God is able. Let's not put limits on our sacrifice. Let's pour ourselves out. For God and His kingdom. We're living in a lost world. They need help. You're the image bearers. You represent God. Let's go represent. And God is faithful. He's protecting you. He's providing for you. He will take you where you need to go. He is. As we conclude our worship, I really pray that each one of us on a daily basis will take time to pause and think about God and let who he is change the way we live our life. Amen. All right. Let's let's stand and close in a final song.